here we are on Mother's Day 2022, and we have mothers, we have grandmothers, aunts, wives, nieces, young ladies, mentors of our young ladies, and you are the unsung heroes in this place today. And today, I want to honor you um, for what you do and what you give and the time you give. I want to take this time to honor my mother today and say, Mom, thank you for raising me in the fear of the Lord. Thank you for raising me to love his word and to love his house and to love him and to always seek after his will first. Thank you for doing that. Appreciate that. And to my beautiful wife. In my book, you're the greatest mom, wife, aunt, sister, daughter, Niece, pastor's wife, preacher, teacher, prayer warrior, and God-fearing woman that I know. And today I love you and I honor you very much. Amen. Got through that okay. Let's all stand for the reading of the word of the Lord this morning. We're going to go to Genesis 19. And we're also going to jump to 2 Kings 4. We're going to be speaking about two women today from the Bible. Two notable women whose names were never shared. And I believe that this is going to be a message that will impact every lady in this place, and not just the ladies, but men. Please listen in today, too. I believe you'll get something out of this. Genesis 19, starting at, at verse 15, it says, And when the morning dawned, the angels urged Lot to hurry, saying, Arise, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be consumed in the punishment of the city. And while he lingered, the men took hold of his hand, his wife's hand, and the hands of his two daughters, and the Lord being merciful to him, and they brought him out and set him outside of the city. So it came to pass when they had brought them outside that he said, Escape for your life. Do not look behind. Somebody shout, don't look back. He said, do not look behind you, nor stay anywhere in the plain, but escape to the mountains, lest you be destroyed. And then jump down to verse 24, and it says, Then the Lord rained brimstone and fire on Sodom and Gomorrah for the Lord, from the Lord out of the heavens. So he overthrew those cities, all the plain, and the inhabitants of the cities, and what grew on the ground. But his wife looked back behind him, and she became a pillar of salt. The second woman I want to speak about today comes from 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 8 through 10. Starting in verse 8, it says, Now it happened one day that Elisha went to Shunem, where there was a notable woman, and she persuaded him to eat food. So it was as often as he passed by that he would turn in there to eat some food. And she said to her husband, look now, 
I know that this is a holy man of God who passes us regularly. Please let us make a small upper room on the wall and let us put a bed for him there and a table and a chair and a lampstand so it will be whenever he comes to us, he can turn in there. Somebody shout, she built a room. For a few moments, I want to speak to you on this Mother's Day, a room built for miracles. A room built for miracles. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place right now. Let's lift our hands. Let's ask the Lord just to have his way and prepare our hearts right now, our minds. Jesus, in your mighty name, God, I pray, God, there be rooms built in this place today. God, I pray, God, rooms built for miracles we haven't seen yet, Lord. God, I pray, oh, God, rooms built, God, for promises that have yet to come to pass, Lord. God, I pray today, God, bless the women of this room, Lord. God, bless the women in this church, Lord, I pray today, oh, God. If you would, just speak to them today, oh, God, I pray it right now. Lord, if you would, God, have your way in this place, Lord. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody shout amen. You may be seated. When you start talking about great mothers, you can't help but think of the first woman to give birth on this earth. Eve, she is the mother of all creation. And Sarah is the mother for the nation of Israel, who was an old woman but became pregnant and gave birth and produced a child in her old age. Rachel gives birth even while she's dying. She pushed out a king. You see, there's so many great notable women in the Bible that did such amazing things from the ones I just mentioned to Ruth, to Naomi, to Esther, and to all you young marrieds in here, even Rahab. And all of you that were not at the marriage cookout we had, you're going to want to come next time. (laughs) You might have to sign up for rehab afterwards, but. (laughs) Hallelujah. I better move on before I lose this. Amen. But there's great women in the Bible. Their names have been talked about for years and years and and thousands of sermons. And everyone knows who they are because they have some incredible legacies that they have left behind that, that will live on and their lives are still teaching us those so many lessons to this day. And their names will live on for years to come until the Lord returns. But today I want to bring to you two stories of the unknown. Two women whose names were never shared. And yet, one of them is the only woman in Scripture that Jesus said, remember her. Jesus said about Lot's wife, he said, remember Lot's wife. Two women, two mothers, two separate stories of great loss, pain, stress, life. But yet, two very different outcomes. Let's look at Lot's wife first. We don't know for sure who Lot's wife is. We don't know where she came from, and we don't know whether he married her while he was 
in Sodom and Gomorrah, whether she came with him, uh, but we know that she's significant enough that, as I said, Jesus said to remember who she is. They're packing up everything after the angels come and tell them, you need to leave. God is about to destroy this place. You've got to get out of here. If you stay, you're going to be a part of this, and you'll be destroyed as well. But he said, go. You need to get out of this city. You need to run. And he said, go to the mountains. And Lot talks to him for a little bit, and Lot, Lot he convinces them. He said, there's a small town over here. We just let us go there. And they said, fine, you can take your family and go. But the main point they were making is they said, you've got to get your family, and you've got to get out of here. Go. So they begin packing up everything and getting ready to go, and she's leaving the familiar. She's being pulled out of her comfort zone. You see, there are going to be times in your life that God is going to call you out of the familiar because he has for you something that is beyond the familiar that does not exist where you're currently at, but God is wanting to call somebody out of the familiar so he can unlock something great inside of you. He will always take you to a scary place, to your scary place, to your unfamiliar place that he's been doing all of your life for some of you. He means for you to be off-center and out of balance. Ladies, he wants you to be off-center and out of balance. He doesn't want you to have everything together. Because if you have everything together, you don't allow him to place everything together. And if there's one thing that women, I hate to use this word, but I just did, hate, it's being off-center and out of balance. I don't think there's a lot of women in this place that you like being off-balance and just not knowing what's happening. That's why I might get in trouble. This is probably my last time preaching Mother's Day. But that's okay. You're going to be begging for Sister B back. But I think, ladies, you want to be sure of what's going on. You like to know what's happening. You ask questions like, where are we going? How long are we going to be there? Where are we going to stay? Do they know I'm coming? What am I supposed to wear? Clothing. I don't know. You don't want me to pick anything out for you. If we go out to eat, where are we going out to eat? I don't know. Where would you like to go out to eat? I don't care. Wherever is fine. Okay, let's go here. Nope, I don't want that. You know it's true. I could imagine in this situation that Lot's wife is not quiet. And I think rightfully so. She's asking questions of like, uh, what are you doing? Where are we going? Do you have a plan in place when we get there? No? Great. This sounds like a train wreck already. He just says, just run. We'll figure it out when we get there. Men, that's how we like to handle things. We'll figure it out when we get there. It's okay. It's all right. We all feel like we're MacGyver. All you young ones have no idea what I was talking about. We'll figure it out. But Light's wife, I think she was probably asking a list of questions. I mean, why? Because she was struggling with leaving the familiar. Everything that she had worked for to build is about to be destroyed. Could you imagine today if you went home and, 
angel showed up at your front door and said, just leave. Leave everything here that you've, all the decorating you've done, uh, all, all the way you put it together it looks beautiful, but just leave because God's about to, to drop fire and brimstone on it and destroy your house. I think you'd be asking some questions. Why? All of her earthly possessions are about to be burnt up to nothing. The thing that she valued where she had, where had, where had been left behind when she said, go, God said, go. But she was struggling, rightfully so, a little bit of struggle in her, saying, what, what are we doing? Because it's hard sometimes to leave what you're connected to. Lot had no issue. He said, let's go. This is what they said, but she said, listen, I've put time into this. I've put effort into this. I, I have, I've invested time into this. I've invested finances into this. Look at the decorate. Look what I have done to this place. And you're telling me just to run, it's just going to be destroyed? You, you just want me to go? It was easy for Lot just to say, let's go. Let's get out of here. But she was saying no because she was connected to that place more than she realized she was connected to that place. So Lot loads up everything, and he starts heading out of the city, and he's leaving the familiar, and he's going into the unfamiliar, and she leaves with him, but she's not with him. I'll say that again. She leaves with him, but she's not really with him. I just want to give a word of encouragement this morning, ladies. If your husband is a strong man of God and leads your home, when he says God has spoken this to me, we need to do this or whatever it is, I'm asking you, go with him and be with him. Back him up. Pray for him. Cover him. She wasn't with him. And halfway out of the city before they even got to, to get to the mountaintop that God was going to take them to, before they could ever discover that kingdoms and nations would come out of them, before that she could discover who she really was as a woman because she thought that her true value as a woman was in the past and not in the future, that because she thought that the good old days were the best of days, before she got to find out that God was taking her to higher places, before she got to find out who she really was as a woman before she realized that the best of her life was just ahead. She looked back. She looked back when God said, I'm taking you there, but her heart wasn't there. Listen, if you can't follow what the man of God's speaking or you can't follow what your husband might be speaking, if it's of God, then I'm telling you, if you can't follow that, you will never follow the voice of God. It wasn't her husband that said, let's go, but it was God saying to her husband, you need to get out of here. And he said, listen, we've got to go. So we got to go. She was then not even listening to God. So when she looked back, she actually turned away, not just from her husband, but she turned away from the voice of God and said, I don't have to listen to what God has to say. And therefore, she was destroyed. And she was turned into a pillar of salt. Hear me, ladies of LifePoint, the best of who you are has yet to be accomplished. She was caught up in what was back here in the life, the little bit of life she lived right there. But I want to tell you this morning uh, that the best of who you are in God has yet to be accomplished. It is not accomplished when you're 20, 30, or 40. Uh, but I want you to realize that God has something for you in your 50s uh, and in your 60s uh, and in your 70s uh, and in your 90s. 
He has something that's going to blow your mind. God is not done with you yet. Do not discount yourself and look back to who you used to be. But I want you to look forward and say, God, whatever it is that you have for me, I'm going to look forward and I'm going to follow the leading of your voice into it. You see, the problem is, if you're not careful, you'll let the world define your worth and tell you that you need to look back to who you used to be. They'll tell you where to look. The world will pressure you, ladies, of how you need to look and what you need to wear. They'll pressure you, and you'll start looking back over your shoulder, and you'll give up on who you're trying to be in your walk with God in exchange for what you used to be. I might get in trouble for this, but let's just go ahead and go. And you might try to squeeze that size 12 into a size 8 and start acting like you're in high school again. I'm going to mess with you a little bit this morning. I told you I probably won't preach Mother's Day again. But listen, the pressure of the world, I'm trying to help you this morning as your pastor. The pressure of the world is trying to get you so focused off of God. And what it's trying to do is the pressure of the world is that it's trying to get you so caught up that you've got to be more attractive anything. i got to be an attractive mama. i got to be an attractive lady. i got to be attractive this. i got to be attractive that. i got to make sure I have the right thing on. I'm telling you right now what the church needs is not more attractive women wearing the right clothes, but what the, what the church needs is a lot more praying women and a lot more praying mamas. What your house needs, what your husband needs is a praying mama and a praying woman. Come on. Don't let the world tell you what you're worth. Let God's word tell you what you're worth. Tell somebody, don't look back. So Lot's wife gets so distracted, she's caught up in what used to be, that she gives up what could have been. She is so caught up in the earthly possessions that she had worked so hard to get that she neglects what could have been in God for what was in the world. So let's look at the Shunammite woman. I can say Lot's wife had some tragedy and she had some heartache. She had some hurts. She had some disappointment. She had some questions. One trying to figure out what's going on. Well, here this woman, Shunammite woman, will see that she too had some questions. Starting in verse 8, it said, Now it happened one day that Elisha went to Shunem, where there was a notable woman. King James Version says a great woman. She wasn't just average. She was a great woman. And she persuaded him to eat some food. Now, that's probably not a lot of persuasion for us men. We kind of jump on it pretty easy. So it was as often as he passed by, he would turn in there to eat some food. 
And she said to her husband, look now, I know that this is a holy man of God who passes by us regularly. Now, I'll stop here and say this real quick. Men, I just said, women, follow your husband. If your husband speaks something and he feels like it's strong from God and it's come through prayer and fasting, then follow him. But men, I will also say, you need to hear what your praying wife has to say. If God has something to speak, then you need to listen to what it is that he's trying to speak through your praying wife. It says here that she said to her husband, please let us make a small upper room on the wall and let us put a bed for him there and a table and a chair and a lampstand so it will be that whenever he comes to us, he can turn in. He can find some rest. You see, she was a woman, not just a great woman. Maybe this is why she was called a great woman. She was a woman of vision. She brought vision to her husband. And I love what what Bishop Stark said. I read this yesterday. It was so powerful. I want to share this with you about this same story. He said, we dare not miss the fact that the vision, the inspiration, the design, the furnishings, the decor, the, the, the execution of the prophet's quarters were all the burden of the lady of the house. It was vision that she had. And it says that it it happened one day that he came there and he turned into the upper room and laid down there. So that tells me that the husband said, absolutely, babe, whatever you need. Let's, Let's build this. I agree. I'm in agreement with you. Let's build this for him. Then he said to Gehazi, his servant, call this Shunammite woman. And when he had called her, she stood before him. And he, and, and he said to him, say now to her, look, you have been concerned for us with all this care. What can I do for you? Do you want me to speak on your behalf to the king or, or to the commander of the army? And she answered, she said, I dwell among my own people. And verse 14, so he said, what then is it to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, actually, she has no son, and her husband is old. So he said, call her. And when he had called her, she stood in the doorway. And then he said, about this time next year, you shall embrace a son. And she said to him, no, my Lord, man of God. Do not lie to your maidservant. This tells me that this is a woman that had a longing for a long time. This tells me this is a woman that maybe had prayed for years, God, give me a son. And the prayer had never come. And the answer had never come. This is a woman that has a longing inside of her. She says, do not play with my emotions. Do not tell me this, for I've been longing for this for so long. Do not tell me this. Do not lie to me and tell me this is going to take place. But it says in verse 17, but the woman conceived and bore a son when the appointed time had come of which Elijah, Elisha had told her. If God has spoken something to you, I want you to hold on to it this morning. 
and 18, it says, and the, and the child grew, and now it happened one day that when he went out to his father to the reapers, he was working in the fields, and he said to his father, my head, my head. So he said to a servant, carry him to his mother. Carry him to his mother. And when he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees until noon, and then he died. And she went up. And she laid on the bed, laid him on the bed of the man of God, and shut the door upon him, and she went out. I wanted to make note this morning that she carried him to the room where the man of God entertained the presence of God. It matters where you carry your burdens, mama. It matters where you carry your problems. Carrying it on a phone call to your friend will never fix it. Just talking about it to somebody else is not going to fix it. But when you begin to carry your issues to a prayer room, when you find that war room in your home and you begin to pray there, you carry those issues to that place. She carried her dead promise from the man of God to the room that she prepared for the same man of God and laid him on his bed and she shut the door and went out behind him. And then she called to her husband and said, please send me one of the young men and one of the donkeys that I may run to the man of God and come back. You notice here that she did not run out in panic and say, he's gone. He died doesn't say that. She simply carried him in and laid him down. And then she went out to her husband and said, please send one of the young men to get me a donkey. I need to go talk to the man of God. And it says in verse 23, so he said, why are you going to him today? It is neither new moon nor the Sabbath. And she said, it is well. It is well. And then she saddled a donkey and said to her servant, Drive and go forward. Do not slacken in the pace for me unless I tell you. So she was departed and went to the man of, of God at the Mount Carmel. And, and so it was that when the man of God saw her afar off, that he said to his servant Gehazi, Look, it's this Tunamite woman. Please run now to meet her and to say to her, is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with your child? So he does. He runs out and he asks the question, is it well with you? Ma'am, is it well with you? Is your husband okay? Is your son okay? Is it well with you? And she answers by three of the most powerful words written. It is well. I think those words activate faith. Because you're saying, I know it looks a mess around me. I know it doesn't look like I have a way out. I know it's dark right now. But God, you are still God and on the throne. So therefore, it is well. I don't know how I'm going to get out of this, but it is well. My boy's dead, but it is well. It is well. And now when she came to the man of God at the hill, she caught him by the feet. But Gehazi came near to push her away. But the man of God said, let her alone, for her soul is in deep distress. 
And the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me. So she said, did I ask a son of my Lord? Did I not say do not deceive me? This tells you right now that she was, she she had a lot on her shoulders right now. She was carrying the weight and the burden, that whole ride to get to him, to come tell him, did I not tell you? Don't you remember the night in the room and I said, don't lie to your servant. Don't lie to your maidservant. Don't tell me this is going to happen. Didn't I tell you that? And then he said to Gehazi, get yourself ready. And take my staff in your hand and be on your way that if you meet anyone, do not greet him. And if anyone greets you, do not answer him. But lay my staff on the face of the child. And the mother of the child said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So he arose and he followed her. And now Gehazi went on ahead of them and laid the staff on the face of the child, but there was neither voice nor hearing. Therefore, he went back to him and told him, saying, The child has not awakened. And then Elisha came into the house, and there was the child laying dead on his bed. And he went in, therefore, and shut the door behind the two of them. And he prayed to the Lord. And he went up and laid on the child and put his mouth on his mouth and his eyes on his eyes and his hands on his hands. And he stretched himself out on the child. And the flesh of the child became warm. He returned and he walked back and forth in the house and again went up and stretched himself out on him. But the child sneezed seven times and opened his eyes. I want to stop here for a moment and say, listen, if God does not answer your prayers the first time, that does not mean you check out and you go try to find another solution. But you keep coming back and you keep coming back and you keep coming back to the altar. You say, "Ah, God, you're going to answer today. Today might be the day. This Sunday might be the day. This Sunday might be the day. This Monday might be the day. I'm not going to give up. I'm coming back, God. It might not be my moment, but my moment's coming. Your moment's coming. If you believe that, stand up there today. Put your hands together and say, God, I believe my moment's coming. My promise is coming. My miracle's coming. It is coming. It's coming. It's coming, Lord. He sneezed seven times, and the child opened his eyes. And he called Gehazi and said, call this Shunammite woman. So he called her, and when she came in, he said, pick up your son. Pick up your son. So she went in, fell at his feet, bowed to the ground, and then she picked up her son and she went out. Those last two words are so powerful. To think about that, that when she went in with what was dead, a promise, she carried it into the same room that was built for this purpose. And she laid him down in that bed. 
And she turned around and she went out, is what the scripture says in the earlier scripture. She did not go there and bow down and just mourn and cry and say it's over with, uh, nothing's going to happen. But she made up her mind when she laid him down uh, and she went out of the room. Uh, She knew there was coming a time in the future uh, because of where he was at, uh, that when the man of God came, uh, that there was going to be a time that she didn't walk out with him the first time, uh, but she knew there was coming a second time uh, that she was going to walk out with her child in her arms again. And that second time, because she didn't give up, she went out with him. Both of these women, unnamed. But I want us to look today, the difference is one was happy with what she had in her earthly possessions. But the one was preparing for what was to come. No matter if it would be good or if it would be bad. If it would be valleys or if it would be mountains. She was looking ahead to what's to come and not looking back at what could have been. I'll say it again. The difference between the two is that the Shunammite woman was looking ahead at what was to come. And she was not looking back at what could have been. Lot's wife kept looking back and said, what could have been if we'd have stayed? What could have been if this wouldn't have happened? If only God would not have moved. If he would not have done what he did, we could have stayed there. and We could have had this beautiful life. But the other woman, I believe... When the man of God came through, I believe that she had to have been a praying woman. Because I don't believe that he, she just felt in her spirit to build this man a room just because she just wanted to be nice. But I believe that there was an urging in her spirit that God was speaking to her. Build yourself a room. Build yourself a room for what's to come. Build yourself a room. It might just be, you say, for the man of God, but build yourself a room. And I think she might have said, okay, I'll tell my husband, we'll build a room. Well, I'll decorate. I'll do what I got to do. So therefore, she went to him and said, let's build a room. And they built this room. And it says she furnished the room with everything that was needed. She furnished it and after she furnished it she told him uh, you can come here whenever you want she thought she was building a room just for the man of God but she had no idea that she was building a room for miracles it was a room for the presence of God to dwell just not the man of God hear me ladies this morning your prayer closet was made to bless others in your prayers But it's in the same room that you build that your greatest miracles are going to be birthed. That same room. In that same room, your dead promises will be brought back to life. You sit here this morning, you say, God spoke it years ago, but it hasn't happened yet. I just feel like it's dead. It's never going to take place. I want you to carry it into the room made for miracles and lay it down and say, God, I believe in you. God, only you can do this. Only you can answer this. There are mamas in this room today that your kids are no longer sitting on the pew with you. And you cry tears over that. 
because you want them here with you. You want them in these altars. You want them serving in ministry, but they went their own way. I'm telling you, the greatest thing you can ever do is carry them into a room that's built for miracles because God can bring them back. God can bring them back to life. God can bring them back to these altars. Don't give up. Don't stop praying. Keep going to that room built for miracles. You build the room and God will do it. It's a room built for miracles. Hear me, I know this might be hard to hear, uh, but there are women in this room that you may never give birth to the natural in the birthing room. But I felt this so strong in my office on Friday. I want to prophesy over you this morning that you will birth some of the greatest miracles ever seen in the supernatural in your prayer closet. I promise you, if you will pray them, you might say, this is too big for me. Pray it anyways, because God's wanting to use you to birth the greatest miracles the church has ever seen. You've just got to believe it and take it to your prayer room. If you've been asking what you need to do to access the miracle in your life. You said here this morning, there's a lot of you. You said, I've been praying for a miracle, Pastor. I don't know what to do. I've been praying for a long time and feel like God's not answering. I, I don't know what to do. And some of you said, well, I, I've tried everything else. You're like the one with the issue of blood. I've tried everything else. Everything else failed me. Don't make God a last resort. Don't make God a last resort. But what you need to do, I'm telling you this morning, is don't start looking back. Because when you start looking back, you're going to say, I remember I prayed then. I prayed then, and God didn't answer. I prayed for that, and God didn't answer. I pray for that. God hasn't answered yet. I pray for that. God hasn't answered yet. I pray for this miracle. Haven't seen it yet. Pray for that financial blessing. Haven't seen it yet. That's what happens when you start looking back. But don't be like Lot's wife because Lot's wife never moved from the place that she was turned to a pillar of salt. You will, you will confine yourself to a spot in history. And you will never move forward into what God has because you're constantly looking back at what you thought could have been. God's wanting to take you to what can be. So the, the, the look at the two women, you say, how do I access this in your life? What you've got to do is start building a room. Start building a room in your house, not just on Sundays, not just on Wednesdays, but start building a room for what shall be. Get your focus off of what could have been and start focusing on what shall be. Build a room for the miracles that you need. I'm not saying go ask your husband to build an addition on the back of the house, but if he can do it and you can afford it, do it. That'd be kind of cool to have your own little place. Maybe take what's, what's it called, your she shed, and turn your she shed into a she prayer room. I know it's not Father's Day, but maybe some men, you need, if you have an outbuilding, you need to go out there and make that a prayer room too and pray for your wife while you're out there. Sorry, I'm not going to get on Father's Day at yours. But it's up to us. Here's what I want us to understand this morning. And I'm almost done. I want us to stand. Musicians, you can come. 
In contrast, the, the stories are so, so similar. You've got two women with no name. Two women in distress. Two women that have loss. Two women that don't know what to do. Two women that are trying to find an answer. Two women that are saying, this is not, this is not comfortable for me. Two women that are in an unfamiliar place. And neither one of them asked for it. But the biggest difference is, is that one of them, one of them had positioned herself to be sensitive to the voice of God. One of them wasn't looking at the here and now. She said, let's build a room for the man that every time he comes, he can stay here. She was looking out into the future. She said, let's plan ahead. Let's build a room for what's to come. Not what's currently here or what we missed out on, but she said, let's build a room for what's to come. And I truly believe that God honored and said, listen, if you listen to me, you build this room. God said, I know what's coming ahead. I know what's ahead. I know, I know what's just right over. Just a year from now, I know what's going to take place. I know what's going to take place. You're going to have a baby. And I know that years from now when you have that baby, that child is going to die in your lap. God knew all this. He said, but now if you listen to me, he said, I will speak to you. And I will prepare you for what's to come in your prayer room. I will prepare you for what's to come, ladies, in your prayer room. There are things. Things that you don't know that's coming. There are miracles that is waiting just ahead for you. There are things that you might say it seems dead right now. I'm telling you right now, God is saying, prepare your room now. Prepare a room and build a room for miracles. He said, because I've got miracles that I'm about to pour out. If you'll build a room for them. If you build a room for them. Build a room for miracles. Whether you're in this place this morning, you're a mother, you're not a mother, or not a mother yet, it doesn't matter. God has called you women to be women of prayer. You have power when you access that room. When you take out time to get in that room, you have power and you are accessing the place of miracles. And I said it earlier, I'm telling you, God spoke it so strong to me yesterday. And that's why I said earlier, I prophesied to you that there is going to be some of the greatest miracles this church has ever seen because the women of this church are going to tuck yourself away in a room and it might be surrounded, listen, it might be surrounded by things that promises that haven't been answered yet or miracles that haven't come yet, but you're going to tuck yourself away in there and you're going to say, God, Send whatever it is you have. God, send the miracles. God, send the promise, God. Whatever it is you have, send it, and God's going to send them in his time. We're going to do things a little different this morning. Here's what I would like to do. I would like to have every woman in this place, 50 or older, if you would come to the front right now, I want you to stand here facing the congregation. If you're a woman in this place, you're 50 or older. You're leaders, examples. I can tell you right now, this lady 
has a room built for miracles. A room built for miracles. A room built for miracles. If you would come up here, if, if you can, if you can sit or if you can stand, just face them. If you would just face the congregation because we're about to do something powerful in this place. And if you could spread out just a little bit, spread out as much as you can. Sister Brooks, I talked to you one day when I first got here. I was having a conversation with you when I first got here. And you said, Pastor, I wish I could do more. I wish I could serve and minister more. But when you sit at home in that chair and you pray over this church and you pray for me and you pray for my family, that's the greatest thing you could ever do. That's the greatest ministry that this church needs right now. We need examples of how to pray, and you give us that example. The world might say, oh, your time's past. Your value is not there anymore, but I tell you right now, I promise you in the kingdom of God, your value is at its highest point. It is. I value you as your pastor so much. I do. I value all you ladies so much. And I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you for your prayers. I thank you for giving. But I want you to understand something. One of the greatest things you can do is when you pray for the generation behind you that's coming up. And how will you, you have, you have uh, completely designed uh, how to build a room for miracles. You've done it. You've mastered it. You've done a great job of that, and I thank you for that. But we've got to teach this next generation that the greatest thing they could ever do, because I, I'm sure there was a time in your life when you were younger that, that I'm sure that that room, that prayer room, probably maybe wasn't as important that it is now that you're older and you're wiser and you understand how valuable that room is. Am I right? Mm-hmm. It's okay to be real this morning. Because there are ladies in this room right now, you get to that prayer room just whenever you can find time to get to it. Whenever it's convenient, because I know life is busy, because you got so many kids, and so, life is just crazy. You got trying to work a job, trying to do this, trying to do that, and trying to cook meals, trying to do laundry, trying to do everything. And life is so busy. I promise you. I promise you. Listen. The laundry can wait an hour if you hit the prayer room. Your kids are going to be okay. They'll tell you their kids survived. But the greatest thing that they ever did was pray for them. This morning, I want you to read this place. If you're, 50, if you're 49 and under, here's what I want you to do. I want you to come up and I want you to stand in front of these ladies. And I'm asking for them to pass to you. The greatness that they found in a room built for miracles. Some of the miracles that they've seen, I ask them to pass it on to you. Go ahead and pass it on. Sister Kidwell, go ahead and go down. Sister Kinder, I want you guys down there. Go ahead and go down. These guys can carry it up here singing. 
This is going to be so powerful. Men, I want you to stretch your hands up behind them right now. Ladies, I want you to begin to pray over them right now. I want you to begin to speak over them right now. I want you to pass along to them right now. That which you have discovered in the prayer room. That which you discovered in a room built for miracles. Come on, begin to prophesy. Speak it over them right now. Speak it over them right now. Come on. All the hurts and the pains, all the disappointments, come on, all the anxiety, all the depression, come on, all the letdowns, come on, bring it to a room that's built for miracles. Bring it to a room that's built for miracles this morning. Come on, bring it to him. Lay it down. Let God begin to do what only God can do in this place right now. Oh, bless you. Oh.